Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. I started this show almost five years ago with the intent of just getting access to some really cool entrepreneurs who would share things that were going on in their lives. I've now interviewed almost 400 people. Uh, It has been one of the greatest things I've done to help me advance my career, grow my company, and just sort of figure out my own path in the entrepreneur sphere, my own little way along. Because I have learned that success leaves clues. And when you get the chance to sit down and talk to or listen in via a podcast, really cool people who are doing really smart things, they can't help it. They have to sort of show you the way. They leave little nuggets and clues and ideas and theories. They scatter it behind them. And if you're paying attention, you're going to find uh, little, little tricks and tips that are going to help you do better in your career. So I created Cool things entrepreneurs do because so many of us, whether we're entrepreneurs or we have a job working for somebody else, we have inside of us that entrepreneurial spirit and we're excited to figure out how can we put the pieces together? How can we make things happen? And that's what I've been trying to do my whole life. Although I spent a good 20 plus years with my ladder against the wrong wall. Now for the last 10 years, I've worked for myself and I will tell you I've been happier. I've been more fulfilled, but I'm going to be really honest. I've also had more struggles. I didn't have that that really high corporate salary coming in. And yet, if you ask my wife, while we probably didn't make as much money in the early days as I did when I had a corporate job, she said I was more fulfilled, I was happier. And uh, although there's still some valleys, uh, there are some really good peaks that come along with working for yourself and doing your own thing. I know that many of the people who listen to this show, some of you just want to have a side business or some of you want to take that side business and transform it into your own thing. And I'm going to talk today about how do you blend sort of what you want to do, what your dreams are, what your hobbies are. How do you blend that with your actual work and your actual job? Because when they come together and you get to do things that you love doing and you make money, that's when I think I find myself the happiest. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So just kind of looking at my own career, as I said, I had my ladder against the wrong wall. I went to college. I wanted to major in drama. My real goal was to be a comedian or an actor. I thought that that would be so fun to be able to entertain people and to be able to use the spoken word, whether they were written by me or other people, to actually get people to to lean forward. And my parents didn't think that was a good idea. Uh, They thought you should major in something practical even if it was something like political science, because I also had a love of history and politics, uh, they did not think that majoring in drama was a good idea. Now, looking back, it really doesn't matter oftentimes what it is that you major in, unless you want to go on to fill a specific career. If you want to be a doctor, you probably should major in biology. Uh, But you know, I thought, well, if I'm not going to pursue the ideals of, of being a performer, maybe I wanted to be a lawyer. Because uh, that also gave me that ability, I thought, to somehow use the spoken word to be uh, to be persuasive. However, my grades weren't that great, so I did. I majored in political science. I thought maybe I would go to law school, but it really wasn't where my heart was. The whole time I was in college, my 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 ladder was against the wrong wall. But the problem was, is that I didn't understand that I could do two things at once. That I still could have followed 
my dreams. I could have followed uh, the acting bug that I had. I could have tried out for plays. I could have done community theater. I could have started my own comedy troupe. I mean, when I look back at people of, of past generations who have really succeeded in things that they love doing, a lot of them had roadblocks and things that didn't work their way. But what they did was they just created their own path to do it. But nobody ever told me when I was 18 that I could do that. The world that was shown to me was you followed a certain path. You worked for a company. You got a gold watch when you retired. That's what my parents did. My, my dad worked for an insurance company, and he worked there for 35 years, and he retired and got the gold watch and retired as an executive vice president. It seemed like that was the, just the simple thing that you were supposed to do. I wish I could go back in a time machine 35 years and whack myself upside the head at 18 years old and say, try, try new things, because it really doesn't matter if you succeed. As long as you're out there trying things, you're going to be more fulfilled than if you just sort of fall into that routine and go through step by step by step. But you can't go backwards. That's not what I did. And yet, as I've shared before on this podcast, when I turned 50, I decided that's it. I'm going to make age 50 to 75 the best years of my life. Now, I don't mean to diss the first 50 years of my life. I had a great life. I had wonderful parents. I have really cool older brothers. Uh, I grew up in sort of an eclectic and interesting family. Can't say that everybody was awesome, but we'll say the, the, the general extended thing of aunts and cousins were all pretty good people. Uh, and I'll tell you what, uh, I had a good life raising my kids. My wife and I have had a good run. We've been married 27 years. You know, there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle that have been fantastic. But when it comes to really following my own heart, my own soul, I, for lots of reasons, sort of set that aside. And we were able to get a nice house and send kids to, you know, the oldest one has completed college, the next one's getting ready to go next year. You know, I can't complain, and I'm not trying to complain. However, my dad lived to be 99 years old. So when I turned 50, that was sort of a halfway marker. And the truth is, most people make it less. So I just said I'm going to focus on the next quarter. I'll worry about 75 to 100 when I get there. But I'm going to focus on the next quarter, and I'm going to figure out how to do things my way. What are the things that I like to do? So if you're listening to this and you're leaning in a little bit and you're thinking, hmm, this sounds interesting, I'm going to ask you, what was it you wanted to do? What's in your heart? What's in your desire that you wish you could do if you could do anything? Because here's the thing, you don't have to walk away from your job and go do that thing. If you love to dance, you can take a dance class. If you've wanted to try your hand at stand-up comedy, trust me, I've been doing it for a year. You can show up at an open mic night, and it won't kill you. It won't be as horrible as you think it might be. So what is it? Do you want to write a book? You know, this is the thing. When I was in, in eighth grade, I told my eighth grade English teacher that I wanted to be a writer. And she literally looked at me and said, your spelling and your grammar are not good enough. You will never be a published writer. Well, thank you very much, Mrs. Nicolaitis. I now have 12 books that I'm the author or co-author of. Uh, it's things like that that are said to people that cause them to derail and not follow those dreams. And so when I mentor younger people, and I, I do have the couple people who I mentor sort of officially, and every now and then I'll sit next to someone on a plane and they'll ask my advice, and maybe they're 25 or 30 years old. When I talk to someone who's younger and really have their life in front of them, the first thing I say is, Put away all of those preconceived notions or things that other people told you you couldn't do. I had coffee with a guy, Connor, just the other day, and he's trying to be a stand-up comic. And he was talking about sort of his career that he may or may not make it as a comic, but if he keeps trying, it might open up a door. Maybe he can open a theater or he can be a producer or he can do many things. But he said, uh, but I never went to college. And he said it like it was an apology. And I stopped him and I said, look, I don't care. 
Never apologize that your life took you to where it was. It's your path. There are all kinds of people, Connor, who didn't go to college. And I got really excited because I wanted to make sure it got through to him that if college mattered to him, he still can go back. He's in his 20s. But if that's not the path he was on, he can still have amazing success, both both financially and spiritually and mentally. It doesn't all have to be about money, by the way. But you can have amazing successes without having checked every single box that society has told us that we have to check. So what is it that you wish you could do? And for some people, they know the answer to this right away when I ask them. Other people, they have to think about it. And that's okay because we're not being asked this question enough. You know, my wife was never asked when she was a kid, what would you like to do when you grow up? And I think every kid, I don't think we should talk about it in that manner, but every kid should be asked a little bit about what would you do if you could have your wildest dreams come true? Because you have to think of the wildest dream before you can ever make them come true. But my wife and I learned from Dr. Debbie Gilboa, who's been on this podcast a couple times. You can find her at askdrg.com. She is awesome, Deborah Gilboa. She says, don't ask kids what do they want to be when they grow up. Ask kids, what do they want to do first? That is so exciting. I wish that that had been the way I had been raised. What do you want to do first? You can do this and later you can do that. And Dr. Gilboa, she's a practicing physician in Pittsburgh. And yet she started off, she was a drama major at Carnegie Mellon University and went on to work at Second City in Chicago. And then when she was, I don't know, 27, 28 years old, she decided, wow, working entertainment has been awesome. But I think next I want to be a medical doctor. And she ended up going to Pitt University and getting a medical degree. Now think about that. She was a drama major for her undergrad, and now she has a family practice, and that's awesome. And with her family practice now, she's also become an expert on parenting. You can find her on the Today Show and todayshow.com uh, as one of the parenting experts. She appears on the TV show The Doctors, and now she's becoming the spokesperson and this expert on parenting because that's what she wants to do next. So that's the thing I try to impart when I meet younger people, is what do you want to do? Know what that is. And it's not the only thing you have to do in your whole life. So I spent years lying to myself, for lack of a better term, or really just taking my true self and putting it aside and not trying things. I've discovered in the last couple of years that I was one of these people, and there are a lot of us out there, who only attempted things I knew for sure I would be good at or would have a good outcome. If something was iffy, or if it scared me, or if I wasn't sure I could do it, I tended to find a reason not to. So I didn't play a lot of sports as a kid because I was kind of uncoordinated and I was always picked last for a team. So therefore, I never was really athletic. I didn't take up running until I was 49 years old. And now I run 10 to 15 miles, well, 10 miles a week. uh, And I'd lost 30 pounds over the last few years because for the first time ever, I believed I can do this. I can be fit. So you have to stop like telling yourselves that you can't, you won't, you shouldn't, you have to start saying, what do I want to do? And how do I find a way to go and do that? So that was my entire life. Now, I've talked about it on the show. And if you've heard me on other people's podcasts, I've talked about sort of my entree into comedy a little over a year ago. So in March of 2018, uh, a gentleman who is a professional speaker, his name is Andrew Tarvin. In fact, if you check out Drew Tarvin or Andrew Tarvin on the internet, you'll run across his TEDx talks, uh, one of which has almost 3 million views. He talks about humor in the workplace, and he is one of the biggest experts on humor in the workplace. In fact, if uh, I know a lot of people listen to me who work for companies. If you want to have someone come in who's going to do like an amazing workshop for your team, look up Andrew Tarvin and what he does for humor in the workplace because he's phenomenal. I was going to be in New York. 
Drew and I are friends, but we're not like best friends. I mean, I've got his number in my phone, but we don't hang out all the time, or he doesn't call me when he's sitting in an airport. But uh, he lives in New York. I was going to be in New York. And I said, yeah, uh, let's hang out. And he said, why don't you come to open mic night with me? Now, in addition to being a professional speaker, Drew is also a professional improv and stand-up uh, performer. And I said, oh, I love comedy shows. I've been going to comedy shows since I was 16 years old. I used to go to the Ice House in Pasadena because uh, I grew up a few miles from there all the time when I was in high school and college. And I was so excited to go watch him work on new material because as many times as I've gone and seen professional comedy shows, I'd never been to an open mic night. I thought, God, that's going to be fun. And the other guy who was standing with him was like, yeah, that's not what he's inviting you to do. And what he was inviting me to do was to write a five-minute set, go to open mic night in New York City, mind you, get up on stage at a comedy club, and do stand-up. And my initial reaction was no. And then it dawned on me that I teach people, try new things, and it dawned on me that there, I'd wanted to do this. This was something that interested me. My friend Joe, back when I was 25, he was one of my best friends. We used to hang out all the time. I always talked about wanting to go to an open mic night. And he was so encouraging. He'd be like, let's go get drunk. We'll go to an open mic night. So what if you suck? He was always willing to be right there to watch me. But I never had the guts to do it because it didn't fall into the realm of something I thought I would be good at. I was scared that maybe I wasn't funny enough. Maybe I wasn't brave enough. I don't know. Lots of reasons. So anyway, that's the thing is that uh, Drew challenged me to go with him. And I said yes. And I did it. And I had a nice experience. Now, Jerry Seinfeld is not worried about job security because I did an open mic night. However, what did happen, and it was kind of an eye-opener, kind of made me go bam, was I realized that pushing myself out of my comfort zone, there was a chance it could make me a better speaker and a better master of ceremonies, which is what I do for a living. And I thought, don't I owe it to myself to push myself out of my comfort zone if it can be make me better at the job that I do, if I can be better for my clients? And I was like, duh, yes, that's what I would teach someone I was coaching to do. So I made a commitment that I was going to do 100 open mic nights. And now I've done 63 open mic nights at the time I'm recording this. And I've been invited to be a featured comic in three little local comedy shows, one in Phoenix, two in Austin. And starting tomorrow night, Wednesday, July 10th, well, actually the day uh, after this show is released, I am going to start hosting an open mic night in Austin called The Profile. It's going to be held at a bar called The Stereotype. It's going to be a show that goes from 830 to 10. We're going to have about 20 comics doing open mic night. We're going to have one featured comic where some actual uh, kind of established comic in the Austin scene will get 10 minutes to do their set. We're going to make it kind of a hybrid of, uh, of a little show along with open mic night. We're going to try and get some people to come. And I just think it would be fun. I think it's a great way to give back and contribute to the uh, community of comics here in Austin who have been pretty good to me over the last year plus. So, you know, it's not... Uh, part of my career to be a comic. I'm not getting paid for this, although I did get paid a little bit for the two shows that I did. So I guess technically I could say, ah, yeah, I'm a professional comic, but I don't say that. The reality is, is I'm a professional speaker and master of ceremonies. I'm not a humorist, but I am funny in my speeches and I'm getting better because of my dedication and my learning that I'm putting in to this whole world of comedy. So I'm able to combine it. And that's the thing. If you can find something that is in your passion that you love to do and you can marry it in a way into your job, you're going to be better at your job. And maybe there's ways that you can spin off and do other things. So I want to just talk about a couple of the things that I'm about to undertake where I'm blending my career with the comedy scene that may or may not lead to some really cool things moving forward. But they might not work out. But you know what? 
When you try new things, sometimes the things don't work out. But if you don't try them, if you don't get up to bat, you can never hit a home run. If you don't jump out of the plane, you can never have the experience of parachuting. So you have to do the first step in order to have something go poof. That is awesome. So before I kind of finish up this episode, I got to thank the sponsor. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content and growing your audience and interviewing really cool people like I do every single Thursday. In fact, if you're listening to this, you have to tune in two days later to get the next episode because I'm interviewing Yancey Strickler, one of the co-founders of Kickstarter. Now that is absolutely an awesome interview. I just completed it and it goes up in two days, so make sure that you do that. Now, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that I have for the listeners of this show. So as I kind of wrap up this episode, one of the things I want to talk to you about is how do you blend whatever you like to do, whatever your sort of passion is, into your career? So it's true that being a stand-up comedian and being a professional speaker have a lot of more similarities than maybe being a lawyer and being a dancer. And yet, there are still ways that you can blend together whatever your passion is, whatever that thing in your heart that's calling to you. There are ways you can blend it together. But some of the things that I'm doing now is I've gotten involved with a company called Rough Cut Comedy, and I am going to be their vice president of corporate events. And we've got two things that we're sort of working on. Number one is we're going to work on creating content for companies who want to do training around comedy and improv for their employees, Uh, especially focused here in Austin, but it's probably something we can take on the road. Uh, I'm going to be working with a team of some of the best local young, young comics that I have met to actually create content that is going to be relevant, especially to young millennial audiences inside companies that uh, need to sort of get that, get them people out of their shell, get people to engage more using humor, using improv, using comedy. So I'm really excited that they have approached me to work on them to sort of co-facilitate and co-create all of this stuff. So, you know, where's it going to go? I'm not sure. We just have come to this agreement. The other thing is, is that I've had several of my clients that I MC for ask me if I could produce a clean corporate comedy show in conjunction with the events where I'm being the MC. And now these events are all over the country. So one of the things that I'm doing with my connection to Rough Cut Comedy is we are starting to identify who are experienced, clean corporate co- corporate comics who aren't going to offend audiences. They're not going to go heavy into religion or politics or sex or drugs or anything like that. Uh, but they are going to be able to provide the laughs. And I'm going to be able to produce and probably host some uh, uh, comedy club style shows at some of these conferences where we can pull from local talent wherever it is that I'm going to be working with these clients. So it could be in Pittsburgh, it could be in San Diego, it could be in Austin, could be in New York City. And so we're in the process of trying to look at how do we identify Uh, and create a list of people who we could pull from to be able to add that in uh, to a service that I can offer some of my clients. Now, that's exciting. And that's something that uh, my clients came to me and said, we see you're doing comedy. I think it would be fun on sort of the dead night to sort of create a comedy club atmosphere. Could you help us do that? 
And what I've said to them all is, yes, of course I can. And that's just going to be part of the offering if the client is interested that I'm going to add on to services that they're already hiring me to do. And in order to do that, I need to learn how do I identify who the best comics are? What do they cost? How do we get them in? Um, How can we make it fair for the comics? Because that's another thing that I am really, really big on is you want to make sure that people are being fairly compensated for what they're doing because I've seen what happens in the speaker world. So many people come up and go, oh, you'll get lots of exposure. Well, here's the thing about, you know, working for exposure. You can die from exposure. Think about it. People get caught in an avalanche. They die from exposure to the cold. People are uh, stuck in the desert without water. They die from exposure to the heat. Exposure kills we need to get paid, uh, those of us who do stuff. And that's why I'm trying to make sure that I am using my business sense and the business that I have to be able to combine that into uh, being able to marry both opportunities for me around comedy, although I'm not looking to go out and be one of the comics who are going to uh, perform on these types of things. But we can use humor to teach people in a corporate arena. And we can bring comics in and make sure that they're paid and make sure that the audiences are going to be entertained in an appropriate manner. So these are just two things that I'm working on where I'm taking this this sideline that I'm doing of being a stand-up comic and now the host of an open mic night in Austin. And I'm combining it with the career that I've already had for 10 years. That's one of the things you're going to see me doing here on the podcast moving forward is I'm going to start interviewing comics. I'm going to start interviewing comedians about the entrepreneurial connections between that. Early on in the show, I did have a comic on uh, in the first year, like five years ago, but I don't think I've made it a regular thing. So you're going to hear me start talking to some of these people who are working comics about what is it really like? Because to get out there, roll up your sleeves and really make it in this business, that's something that all of us can learn from. Because to make it in entertainment, whether it's an actor, uh, a singer, uh, someone who's in a band, comedian, a dancer, etc., it's hard. It's harder than it is to, you know, start a consulting business probably. So I want to learn from them. What are they doing to get out there? So I'm going to combine my, uh, my adventure into comedy, as I call it. I'm going to combine it with the podcast and with my speaking and with my MC. So that's my advice to you is what do you get excited about? I'm excited about the fact that I'm, I'm involved with rough cut comedy and these comics that I'm meeting. Uh, some of them look at me like who the hell's the old guy. You know, I think the joke, uh, that someone made at one of the first open mic nights I went to is who brought their dad, but you know what? I'm still there. And now I've made friends with these people and I'm helping some of them, uh, with advice in their careers. And maybe we can make it a win-win thing. And that's what I think all of us should do is let's look out to the different areas of what we're trying to do, what we're trying to accomplish, and how do we pull it all together so that more people win. I'm a believer not just in win-win or in win-win-win, but in win-win-win-win-win. I don't even know what all the wins are. I just don't want somebody to lose. All right, that's today's episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I hope it got you a little bit excited. I hope it made you stop and think. Maybe you're on the treadmill. Maybe you're on a long drive and you're thinking, you know what? I have to take ownership. I have to make whatever age I am for the next 20 years, the best years of my life. And I want to take a little bit of my passion, something that interests me, something that makes me say, wow, that's fun. And I want to marry it into what I do for a living. If I sparked you with any piece of that, then I'm really excited that I did my job on this episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for tuning in. Go out there and try something. Try something new. And while you're doing it, have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. Singer. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.